Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God for our study today is our second lesson, or rather the second verse of our second lesson, Romans 1, verse 17. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed by faith for faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, faith. Faith is a really big and serious topic. Important, too. When I was preparing to write this sermon, I imagined myself being asked, say, what is faith by a curious unbeliever? Only being asked this back 20 years ago when I was fresh out of the seminary, I would have been excited by the question and the opportunity to to put to work what I had spent years studying and had thoroughly enjoyed. So I would have talked and, and talked. I would have talked about how it's important to differentiate between different kinds of faith and and how saving Christian faith is different from other types of believing. I, I might have talked about conversion and the problem with what we call decision theology. I, I like to think that I would have had the sense to not mention divine monergism. Maybe... Maybe I would have mentioned how theologians sometimes call faith the receiving organ of God's gifts. And I probably would have tried to explain how faith can be considered to have three parts, knowledge, assent, and trust. I I hope I would have avoided using the Latin terms for those things. It's likely I would also have offered the caution that while believing is certainly something we do, since faith is a gift of God, we dare not think of it as a work that we, we are rewarded for. I, I, I probably could have talked about faith for 15 or 20 minutes without taking a break. And then I imagined my questioner asking a follow-up. Oh, Okay, so that's what you Christians mean when you talk about faith. But what does it matter? And at that point, I believe my heart would have sunk. Because I would have realized that I had given the wrong answer. Not not that any of what I had said was incorrect or even unimportant, but that I had simply not said what I should have said. If I had started off thinking about why faith matters, I I wouldn't have talked about faith. I would have talked about our faith, what we believe, or more specifically and importantly, whom we believe in. When any Christian, and especially a pastor, speaks that way, There should be no need for a follow-up. It will be clear why such faith matters. Now again, I never actually found myself in that situation. 
though I am sure some of you who have known me long enough won't have trouble picturing it. Can you imagine a young man trying to win the heart of the woman of his dreams by telling her all about what love is, how love works, what isn't love, and what dangers to watch out for when talking about love? That wouldn't work very well, would it? Instead, what he would need to do is to give her reasons to fall in love with him by telling, yes, but especially by showing. And in the end, if he succeeded over time, she would know what love was because she was in it. And she would know why all that other stuff mattered. Think about our confessions of faith, the creeds. They don't start by explaining, this is what it means to believe. No, they jump right in and tell what we believe about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, about what God has so lovingly and graciously done for us, and about what awaits us as a result. But we have a word, a word that sums it all up even more efficiently than the creeds. It's a word that Paul uses here in Romans 1, a familiar word that we don't always think about in terms of what it means. Gospel. And it isn't a gospel, which would suggest that there's more than one option. It's the gospel. There is only one. And gospel means simply good news. So the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes is, well, the news that is good, that is for everyone. You know, the way the angels announced it to the shepherds when Jesus was born, that they had good news of great joy that was for all people. So what is it? <laughs> What is it that could possibly be good news for everyone? We have so many different races and nations, ethnicities and personalities, and so many different cultures and experiences. How can we assume that the gospel is actually good for all people when all people will receive it in so many different ways? Oh, we're not assuming anything. We know that it is good because we know what every human being is like by nature, without exception. And we know what their experience of life and death is going to be like if they do not have the gospel, and it is not good at all. It's horrific and tragic. Because by nature, every one of us is a dead man walking. As sinners who have consistently rebelled against the will of our Creator, who have insisted on following the will of our sinful nature, and who stubbornly resist every effort God makes to call us to holiness on His terms, well, we go through life already condemned to hell. The place of eternal suffering, originally planned for the de only for the devil and his fellow 
rebel angels. Whether we see it or not, whether we accept it or not, it is the sad but completely deserved reality of every man, woman, and child. God was clear from the very beginning, and He never changes His nature or what He tells us. The person who sins will die. And we all sin. And we all, unworthy then, will be bound and thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that... That is bad news of great dread for all people. So what do people do? They try to undo what they have done to get out from under God's wrath and punishment. They know they need to be righteous, to be morally, ethically, and spiritually correct. They know that they need to be righteous to escape hell and enter heaven. So they try all sorts of things. Some try super hard to be super holy. They focus on outward works that everyone can see to show how much reason God certainly must have to like and reward them. But none of that work actually removes the guilt of their sin. And in fact, they often end up compounding their guilt with arrogance. Others decide the trick is to redefine righteousness to fit the lives that they're already living. But since God is the only one who gets to set the standards, that doesn't turn out very well. Still others assume that they can kind of slip into heaven under the cloak of someone else's righteousness. They think that their parents' religion or their culture's traditions will satisfy God, even if their own hearts and lives are, are full of rebellion or indifference. But on the last day, the judge will look at each individual's record And no sinner can cover the sins of another to save his soul. It won't work. So how then can anyone obtain the righteousness that God demands for eternal life? What hope could there possibly be of salvation and eternal bliss if there's nothing that any of us can do in any way to earn or deserve it? And that's... That is why the essential message of Christianity is good news. Because the message of Jesus Christ and what He endured and did for sinners is the news of a righteousness from God for sinners that substitutes Christ's perfect holiness for our guilt and shame. And we do not have to do anything to get this righteousness. It is the Lord's gift to us, which we take hold of simply by trusting Him and what He has told us. We receive it, and we keep it, and we reap the rewards of it by faith. This is the good news. 
the gospel, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And this is the only way that the righteous live. Since putting their trust in their own works or merit leads only to destruction. Paul quotes and affirms what the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk proclaimed, the righteous will live by faith. So we take what we know. We know that though we were miserable sinners deserving of damnation, God sent His beloved Son, Jesus, to become one of us. That He lived among us and perfectly obeyed His Father's will, but also taught us about His Father's love and mercy. That because His authority and His message of grace and forgiveness offended powerful people, He was arrested, beaten, whipped, condemned, humiliated, scorned, and then finally crucified. We know that on the cross He poured out His lifeblood as payment for all the world's sins. And that when He died, this was accepted by the Father as payment for everyone's guilt. That Jesus did not remain in His garden tomb but was raised to life on the third day, making clear and certain that now everyone who puts their trust in Him will also rise from the dead and live eternally. We know that Christ ascended into heaven where He now sits on His throne and rules all things for the good of us, His church, and is there preparing a place for us. And we know that on the last day He will return and take all of His believers, body and soul, home to live with Him in a new heavens and new earth, a place of eternal righteousness, bliss, and blessedness. And we do not take all of those things that we know just as, as information to file away in our minds. We accept it as true. It's no myth, no fairy tale, no no story that we tell to comfort ourselves when we're feeling low. It really happened. God really made all of those promises. Our sins really were washed away with Christ's blood on the cross. Jesus really is coming for His people. But we don't stop there either at just saying it is true. We also trust it. We affirm that it is true for us. It is good news for us, personally, individually, eternally. We are saved. We are forgiven all of our sins. We are not going to hell, but are instead headed to heaven to be with Jesus. We belong to God now, and He will take care of us as His dear children and meet our every need. This we believe. And so it hardly needs to be said, huh? To explain further why faith matters. Faith is what God has provided. 
as the means by which we take hold of his gifts and his promises. It is further a further working of his unconditional and immeasurable grace, which from love gives us not what we deserve, but what he wants his children to have. Faith matters to God because he gives and uses it to save us and to bring us to him and hold us close. And so it also matters to us. Faith is how we get the righteousness that we're missing, how we get the salvation that we need, how we get the forgiveness that we long for, how we get the family that we were made for, how we get the eternal life and fellowship that we were created for. Faith is what reaches out and receives from God all that He wants to give us and then holds it tight so that we never lose it. Our readings today drive that point home. The rich banquet, the rich wedding clothes, the table laid before us in the presence of our enemies and the overflowing cup, the end of tears and death, the the green pastures and quiet waters, the joy and the gladness, all of these belong not to those who make themselves worthy, but to those whom God has made worthy, to those who wait for Him, to those who receive His invitation with joy and enter His feast wearing His robe of righteousness, to those who follow Him as their shepherd, to those who see Him and say, Look, Here is our God. We waited for Him and He saved us. This is the Lord, my Lord. Surely, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of my Lord forever. So there is no doubt. All that God has done all that Christ has suffered, all that the Holy Spirit has promised, all that the Father wants to give us, all comes to us through His gift of trust. So we rejoice in it. We hold it dear all the days of our life. Faith matters. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.